Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Let's dive into what we have today. We are in 1 Chronicles 26 today, 1 Chronicles 26. Um, it is a interesting chapter. There's a lot of like interesting little nuggets about how the temple operated uh, in some of the regards that this chapter is talking about. Um, I'm actually not going to read the full chapter today because there's just a lot of list of names and reading it straight out. Uh, it, it, some of you will just fall asleep right now, but, uh, really diving into the different areas and I'll go through and we'll talk about verses that really point out what is going on and what King David is, uh, reappointing and, um, and actually not reappointed, but appointing for the temple to be built, uh, and how this is going to operate. Uh, and so he is getting his systems in order. But anyway, let's pray and then let's dive in uh, and see what King David is doing here in uh, 1 Chronicles 26. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just uh, we thank you for this time that we are carving out to uh, read and understand your word. Lord, may we um, may we just uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you are trying to teach us uh, through this, though um, it is a uh, history. It is your story, Lord. It is what has gone on, but there's also lessons for us to take home today uh, in our current modern day context of, of what you've done then and what you're still doing today. So Lord, um, may we just have our hearts open. May we have our minds open. And may we see where you're working and may we get on uh, with where you're moving and follow you in your footsteps. Lord, I surrender myself to you that this be your word and not my own. Uh, teach me as you teach the rest of us today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right. If you got coffee, if you got tea, if you got water, whatever it is, get a good sip and then let's dive in. 1 Chronicles 26. All right. I just said, I'm not going to really read the chapter. There's a lot of like list of names, but what King David is basically doing is he's really setting up his systems. Um, he's setting up uh, the order. Um, I want to kind of go back to where King David tried to bring the ark back into Jerusalem, right? And kind of royally messed that up at first. Uh, and he learned a very valuable lesson um, when uh, he tried to bring the ark back in the very first time and realized, I can't just put it on a cart. Um, I can't have it. I don't care if it's the best cart, right? I, we kind of talked about, I think I did this story. Yeah. When we talked about, we put it, we put that on the best looking, um, uh, Subaru or, uh, Suburban or whatever, try to put it on the brand new truck of the brand new best or whatever, uh, this nice car and put it in. And it still, it just wasn't the right way to do things. It wasn't how God prescribed his prescription was for the Levites 
and specific Levites within their certain clan as well to maintain and actually be the pallbearers for the movement of the ark. And the ark was to be carried by hand by the Levites themselves. And so that was big mistake there. And we uh, we lost a good brother in, in the meantime because it just it wasn't done properly. Uh, now, the ark sat in uh, another guy's house, Obed-Edom. And while the ark sat there for a few months in his house, Obed-Edom is a Levite. Uh, his home was blessed. And we actually see a continuation of this blessing uh, here in um, 26. And if you go into verse 4, it says, The sons of Obed-Edom, also gatekeepers, were uh, Shemiah, the oldest, uh, uh, Jehozabad, the second, uh, Joah, um, the third, Scar, the fourth, Nathaniel, uh, the fifth, uh, Amila, the sixth, uh, Issachar, the seventh, uh, uh, Philanthia, uh, the eighth. Uh, and God had richly blessed Obed-Edom uh, and his household there. So uh, we see that, hey, he's continuing on in the story here um, with this and that Obed-Edom is blessed. Now, they're gatekeepers. So that's what uh, David is doing. It says, in the divisions of the gatekeepers at the very beginning of the chapter, um, these are the duties of what they're to do. Uh, there's a level that you can look at it in two different ways. And we do this with many positions that we already have in today's society as well. Uh, bouncers, um, military people that are on guard, uh, anybody that's there to, um, you could look at it as a form of, uh, the security at church, um, right? Any of this that people are there to uh, guard, um, basically be a bouncer at the gate, uh, is it's a thankless job. It's um, you're called to do it and you're told to do it because you were born in, uh, in one way you can look at it as the wrong family or you were born into the right family, Um we kind of have a weird uh, thought process of if you were born into the right family, you have privilege and uh, you were uh, born with a silver spoon in your hand and all these kinds of things, or you were born into poverty. And, you you know, um, we look at it as you either did or did not earn certain things, um, but we've kind of lost sight of, you know, um, God placed you in this family. God placed you. Uh, to be a Levite, right? He says the Levites will do these jobs to take care of the temple, to be priests, to do priestly duties, to um, maintain order and uh, maintain uh, the law and be judges. All of the uh, temple overall duties of taking care of uh, Israel as a whole. Um, they did not get specific land uh, as all the other tribes did, right? Um, all the other tribes got uh, sections of land of Israel. Levites did not. Their ownership, their all their ownership and everything went towards uh, maintaining the temple and that uh, that they have a special relationship of being um, the ones that work directly for the Lord in a way. Uh, and this included the gatekeepers here. Um and there, there's a level that, guess what? If you were born as a Levite into any of the clans, uh, that is a God-chosen position for you. 
If you were born and like, we kind of look at as, oh, I was just born. I didn't get to choose that. That's right. You didn't get to choose it. God chose it for you. God chose this for you before you were even born. God chose this for you. Um, and so they really took hold of this. Uh, I was born in this family because God chose me for this. Um, and they really understand the level that God is in control. And so uh, we see that uh, these people, this was a high honor uh, to be a Levite. And then within the clans, what was your specific temple duty uh, to be in this high honor to be uh, taking care of the Lord? And here, this was uh, the divisions of the gatekeepers. They were spread upon all the gates around. Now you had an outer court uh, around the temple, and then you had even an inner court. And both of these uh, um, walls around both courts, the outer and the inner court had gates north, um, west, and east. And, and so all of each of these gates all had different gatekeepers, um, right? So you had all of these people in there. Uh, they were to regard, the, uh, regard and regulate the gates, uh, those who were also coming through, those who also could not come through. Uh, that was a big deal. Uh, at certain levels, uh, we have the outer court. More, more people were able to come in through the gates of the outer court. Uh, there was less restriction there. But then that inner court had a lot more restriction on it for who could even come closer uh, to the temple itself. It had steps leading up towards the temple. And then on top of it, uh, they actually had signs. And there's archaeological evidence for these crazy signs that we would think is crazy today. But um, this is one of them. It was found in 1871. It was on a tablet. Uh, and it was actually, um, and it's also mentioned in Josephus's writings as well. But here's what one of the tablets that they found, uh, what it said, um, translating it, it said, uh, no outsider shall enter the protective uh, enclosure around the sanctuary. And whoever is caught, will only have himself to blame for the ensuing death. Now, uh, they took it very literal that, guess what? And this was, these were only on the inner court. The, the outer court really didn't have these. These were the inner court gates had these signs as you got closer to the temple of saying, guess what? Uh, there can be ensuing death for you. And so this is not... It's a death penalty, but it is a death penalty, but it's also like, we love you. We don't want you to die. Okay. We want you to know the severity and the reality of coming this close to such a holy God that you need to come right. And if you're not right, this is not the place for you. And so it was very, very serious. Um, now, these uh, gatekeepers, they not only had to make sure that you were either able to come in and or those that were not, you could not come in. Uh, and then on top of it, they also made sure that the gates themselves worked properly. If they needed to shut them for any reason, uh, the doors were good to go. I kind of imagine maybe a can of WD-40 hanging on the side of their hip or something. I don't know. <laughs> Making sure those big gates were able to close. But so th there was no attitude of... I just work here, bro. 
Like, you know, we have that attitude sometimes in our job places where it's like, bro, I just work here. You know, like I, I'm not worried about like if the gate didn't work, it's like, I, I just work here, man. I'm just here to make sure people come in. Like if the gate doesn't work, I'm calling maintenance. Like it's not my job. That's not it. It was they had this level of this is ownership. If I let the wrong person in, I failed. If my gate doesn't operate properly when need be. I failed. Like it, there's, there's definite ownership uh, to this. There's pride in this. There's uh, this level of just, uh, you know, this is my job. I was called divinely for this task to take care of my God in his temple. This is a divine appointment. Um, this gate is mine. And so uh, th- there was like, Hey, now I'm sure that there were also days where, uh, homie was on the, on that gate and just going, you know, I'm really tired of hearing the nagging of people that I'm telling them they can't come in because they're sick or they have whatever, or, um, I I know them and they're not, uh, they haven't met the standard to be able to come. They're unclean right now. Uh, they have not been sanctified properly. Uh, whatever the case may be, um, or they're not, guess what? They're not of the right family in this, in these cases, uh, they're not of, they're not even, um, Jewish. And so there's, I'm sure that they're having to sit there and hear the complaints of people that they're having to say no and stand away. they also have to be very capable. And it says very much so in here, uh, that they are very capable men. Uh, many times in uh, positions of great authority. So verse eight, uh, Obadiah's son, uh, Shemaiah and his sons, uh, with great ability who earn positions of great authority in the clan. These are gatekeepers, but they are great, having great authority within that clan, within the, uh, the tribe of Levi. Um, uh, verse eight, uh, there are 62 of them in all. This is, I'm in the middle of the verse. Uh, and they were very capable men, well qualified for their work. Uh, these guys, they probably worked out. They were making sure that they were good to go. They were able to handle that. They knew the mechanics of that door and they were able to handle those gates properly. And then on top of it, they knew uh, the Mosaic law very well to understand uh, who was able and who was not able to come in through those gates. And they did it with pride and they did it uh, with dignity and honor. Uh, and that's that's how I think a lot of times we need to see certain things in our life that we may take positions, we may take uh, tasks that we have to do um, with different attitudes of I don't want to do this or this is annoying or I don't understand this. And uh, there's a level of, man, we have to get past the initial understanding of it and realize what the second and third order effects of if I don't do this well. How, how is this going to affect the overall team? How is this going to affect the overall of how things are operating? If these gates were not taken care of, it's basically a dishonor to the Lord. It's, it's a dishonor to uh, what I've divinely been called to. Uh, it's a dishonor to my tribe and my family. It's a dishonor to, um, to even just my own name, to even my direct my father's name. 
And, and so there's uh, all of this uh, honor in that. There's this prestige in it. And then on top of it, there's just, am I doing well at my job? Am I working for the Lord? Or am I just doing this so I make ends meet? And there's two different attitudes in that. And you can almost feel it and see it. Uh, am I working for the Lord? Am I, uh, am I understanding the depth of the task that I have in, at hand? And uh, some of us, maybe, uh, maybe you're having a hard time at work. Are you understanding the depth and the necessity of the task that you have at hand? Whatever it may be. Maybe you work at a school. Maybe you, uh, you work in a hospital. Maybe, maybe you're a mailman or a mailwoman. Maybe uh, you're doing whatever it is, but understanding that the necessity of the little things you do. You know, I, I ran into, it was uh, this past summer, pretty hot day. Uh, and um, we had just moved into this new house and our mayor lady was out there and she was just like complaining because honestly, the constructors out here kind of put the mailboxes together weird. Um I don't know if you know this new national thing, like all communities, regardless if it's a single family home or not, you're going to get a community mailbox, which whatever, that's a whole nother topic. I'm just going to leave that all alone. It's weird. But anyway, the mail lady was kind of complaining, and, um, but she's a nice lady. And I talked to her and uh, I just said, you know what? Thank you for what you're doing. And she's like, I'm just delivering the mail. And I said, do you understand that one of those pieces of mail could be changing somebody's life today and you're the one making sure that it gets delivered you understand that you could be ha handling a inheritance check that is changing somebody's life for the better you could be handling uh a, a piece of mail that is just freeing somebody of a uh, of something you could be handling a piece of mail uh, that is just bringing joy to the youngest kid because it's their grandmother's birthday card for them that is getting whatever. Like the, we all think like when you get something really good in the mail, like that's awesome. Oh, we got a thank you card. We got a gift card from somewhere. We got like a birthday card from our friends and our family in the mail. And I just said, do you understand that you're, you're uh, helping deliver hope and happiness potentially in uh, this mail. Yeah, some of it is um, just some uh, weird flyer from the uh, local uh, car dealership that's just going to go in the trash. But in the mix of that is also maybe somebody's birthday card. Maybe it's also something else that is just saying, guess what? This, uh, this is really changing your life. And so whatever it is, it could be something of whatever your duty is, whatever your responsibility is, it is helping bring hope and peace to somebody's life. Um, and it just helped change her perspective. And she goes, thank you. You know, I, I mean, I, I know that, but I also, I don't always think of it that way. And uh, that really kind of brightened her day and uh, realizing what she went on to do. And it was a hot day and I gave her a bottle of water too and everything. Uh, and that's what we're called to do as well. Is just make sure that everyone, like, what is that understanding of really what we're doing at our job. And they understood that as gatekeepers. Um, King David wrote this in Psalm 84. Um, and it was 84 verse 10. Uh, and this is one of them for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. 
you know, I, and there's also this level of where are we understanding that I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be just a, a bouncer for the house of God than anywhere else. If that's where my position calls me to be right there uh, with my Lord uh, and get as closely, and that is my divine appointment from him, then I'm going to love it. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, uh, because that is how not only uh, I bring honor uh, and I bring uh, goodness to me and my family, but on top of it, uh, I bring worship to my God. How we operate in our positions, in our jobs is a way of worship towards our Lord. And it could be whatever your job is. I, I just imagine even um, remember that show uh, Mike Rowe did uh, Dirty Jobs. All of those jobs are very dirty. They're really nasty. Uh, it made for good TV. But on top of it, every single one of those was a necessity job in our society. Right. Even if it was like, hey, I clean sewer drains out. Well, we all know if the sewer drain in the main of our uh, township or wherever clogged up and our toilets didn't work, it'd be a bad day for many, many people. So we are greatly thankful for those that are doing dirty jobs that would be otherwise thought as thankless. Just imagine if they didn't work, they'd be very thankful. And so that's also another way of looking at how are we doing our positions. He also gets into... Um, uh, this where it's uh, the treasurers of uh, their offices. Now, another very thankless job, another very um, potential uh, uh, issue uh, with having to deal with people and people that are get real people-y, um, right? Gatekeepers, bouncers, uh, anybody that has to basically tell people no, you're going to deal with a lot of people that get real people-y. Uh, and then also the treasurers and other officials. Now, part of this sounds glamorous because they're there to protect and maintain uh, a lot of the treasure and the spoils of war from David and a lot and uh, his men in the conquest um, that they had uh, in that. And they a lot of the uh, plunder that they were able to gather uh, was used in service of the temple, as it says. Um, uh, Shalom, this is verse 26. Uh, and his relatives were in charge of the treasuries containing the gifts that King David and uh, the family leaders and the generals and captains of other officers of the army had dedicated to the Lord. These men uh, dedicated some of the plunder that they had gained in battle to maintain the house of the Lord. Right. And so, yeah, guess what? Um, if it's free, it's for me. Almost like, right. Uh, but they, yes, they used some of the plunder from different wars and used that to in service uh, of our God. Um in the temple uh, in different forms and fashion, right? Uh, but this was also treasury of making sure that uh, tithes and offerings that came to the house of the Lord were uh, maintained, guarded, and used well. Um, they were the treasurers, right? Uh, and so this was also a part of uh, very highly um, sought after. Uh, this, you know, this was a thing where it was like, hey, guess what? Uh, there's a lot of food coming to the house. Uh, there's a lot of money coming into the house. Uh, there's even potentially livestock as it was not, you know, livestock was not only brought just as, um, uh, as sacrificial offerings in this time, 
but it was also brought in as a tithe, right? It was whatever the first 10% of your crop. And if you were not a farmer of vegetables, but you were a, a rancher, basically of livestock, you brought that first 10% of the yield, right? And so you brought that in as your tithe. And so there, they would be, that's why some of them, uh, they would go out and they would be administrators of the land as well uh, to maintain actually uh, the livestock and everything that was for, for them. Uh, there's a lot of this going on. On top of that, David sent out to say that, guess what? Um, this is a law. To tithe is a law. To tithe is a rule and a regulation. Uh, and offerings otherwise, as uh, if you would look at it as taxes. These are laws, and there's penalties for not paying them as well. This wasn't a, hey, this is a good idea. I, we really hope that you take on the spiritual practice of tithing. It was like, no, where's your tithe? What are you doing? Uh, you haven't paid up. Uh, we're going to enforce that. Uh, in our modern day, we would look at it as they were the temple IRS, right? Uh, and they were called to this job. Again, uh, people, people being people, it was a very thankless job in a certain particular manner. They were also sent out uh, across different areas. Um, they were not always directly at the temple, but uh, they had to send out treasurers and judges uh, throughout different areas of all of uh, Israel uh, into different clans and into different tribes to be those enforcers uh, for the tithes and offerings to be brought in. You know, like... Um, we don't really uh, we don't we don't have a, a fusion church IRS. We don't really have that uh, in our current modern day thing. Um, but this was something that uh, they took it very serious as if you're not participating and you're not uh, following the law of Moses, that was the law of God that was given to Moses. Right. And saying that we have a tithe that is uh, mandated by God to be given in. Um, by all people across Israel, if you're not doing that, uh, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the law, you know, but it was also something that, you know, we see that God has uh, very serious uh, thoughts about. Um, and we, and I'll, you've probably heard this being brought up before, but in um, Malachi 3, 8, this is what God's saying. Will a man uh, rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, but here's the flip side. You also heard that tithing in our current day, this is where it says, test me in this. This is the one area where God has said, Test me because, yes, I make it a mandate. However, this is also for your blessing. This is also for you as an exercise to realize and trust me more. Trust God in this. Uh, and going on in Malachi 3 10, bring all ties into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, 
says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. There will not be room enough to receive it. And so there's, uh, and we hear it all the time, this, these stories of faith, these stories of those that are uh, coming out and just realizing in their finances that there is a level that I'm going to trust God uh, in how to operate my finances because um, the whole I'm keeping up with the Joneses, that ain't really working because guess what? The Joneses are in debt too. And so in today's society, that is really not the best way to go. You may see your neighbor roll up with a new BMW. Well, they also got a real nice payment every month that they're not able to do other things with because they're spending it on such and things like that. Well, guess what? For me, I rather be building up something to hand down to my kids than something that uh, moths and rust are going to eat away over time. Uh, and that's one of the things and the principles that God is trying to teach us. And uh, David is setting up here uh, his systems to make sure that God's law is being in, uh, effective uh, and that it's being enforced. And so we see that with uh, how he's putting everything together. Now, what does this all have to do with us? We can talk about tithing as well, um, but I'm not really going to beat the hammer on that. What I really want to talk about is if we look at these principles of both gatekeepers and treasurers is that in our New Testament context, we have something that is very valuable and it's worth protecting. And that we have, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, that we are a walking temple ourselves. And so how are you protecting the gates to your heart? And how are you maintaining the treasure that God has given us with his spirit inside of you? And honestly, that's where the word boundaries really come to mind in our uh, current context of life. What boundaries have you set up in life to make sure that you are protecting your heart? Protect your heart above all else, uh, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we hear a lot of what other people's garbage that they want to speak about. And we can already tell because of the fruit of what's coming out of their mouth, what is the abundance of their heart? And so what is the abundance in your heart? What is the treasure that you're holding dear onto? Is your treasure really nothing but filthy rags? And that's what's coming out of your mouth. Uh, or is it really, guess what? I am holding on to the fact that God lives within me. I'm in his word, I'm with him uh, every day, and I'm listening to uh, his way and letting him renew my mind so that not only I'm protecting what I have, but I'm also showing it and sharing it. And that I have boundaries to protect my heart, to make sure that uh, filth is not overrunning my heart, that uh, ugliness, lewdness, that sinfulness is not overfilling my heart. I'm being a gatekeeper to the things around me. I need to have an outer court and even a more inner court of those that are around me, other people that are lifting me up, other people that are speaking life to me, other people that get to be even more intimate and close with me. Uh, right, that are there that know my more inner secrets. 
we look at the temple, only the people that were able to come into the more inner court and then ultimately the high priest that got into the Holy of Holies knew even more of the inner secrets of God. But now through his completion of his word, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now know uh, the completion of what God has for us to know about him and for us to maintain that level of guess what? I need to have boundaries in my life to keep him more in my heart than letting sin and lewdness and ugliness creep in and overrun uh, what is there. So we need to have good gatekeepers, which is boundaries in our life, protections. Uh, what are things that I'm saying? I'm not going to be doing this anymore. I'm not going to be watching this anymore. Uh, I'm not going to be listening to this anymore. Because that's all that it does is it doesn't bring me closer to God, but it takes me further away. It doesn't make my heart be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. It actually makes it more in tune with the world. And those are the things that we need to make sure that on our gates, what are we keeping out and what are we letting in? And then our treasure. Are we the ones that are making sure that uh, we're keeping our heart pure for the treasure that God has instilled in us? which is his Holy Spirit. And so for us, that's our biggest question. And maybe that's a self-reflection and evaluation today for us, or what are our gatekeepers and what are we protecting as our treasure? And so I hope that this really helps you guys out with uh, a little bit of uh, a little self-reflection for the week to go uh, and further out. Uh, and so let's pray and let's have a blessed Tuesday. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, your word. Lord, as we see that uh, David was setting up uh, systems in place here for uh, gatekeepers and treasurers, um, uh, not only for your temple, but all throughout uh, Israel. But Lord, um, may we see that we need systems in place for ourselves, that we need systems to be able to guard ourselves from things and to protect what is most holy which is your Holy Spirit that resides in us. Now, Father, I just pray that uh, you point out and show those uh, open doors, those gates that need to be shut. Um, maybe it's even those gates that need to be open. Maybe we've been keeping too many gates closed and keeping too many people that want to do us well, that want to lift, lift us up, and we've been keeping them out. And Father, so will you show us what gates need to be opened and closed? Will you show us uh, what areas and how we can best protect the holy treasure that you've given us in your Holy Spirit? Father, we just want to lift up our trust and our love towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, everyone, have a great Tuesday. Uh, and we'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday, for the next SOAP installment. We'll see you then. Take care. God bless. Have a good one.